You are listening to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week, our team at Wakarusa Missionary Church invites you to join us for a conversation around the topics that shape our lives at home and beyond. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. And welcome to Season 2, Episode 10 of At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Glad to have each and every one of you here today uh, recording a special bonus episode uh, with our friends Jay and Beth Shetler. Uh, but also we've got our one of our usual characters here in the room, Pastor Chris Knight. Hi, Chris. Hi, Joel. It's good to be back. Are, is it? it w- mostly. Is mostly. It? You know, my wife sat in my chair last time, so I had to she make did. some adjustments, but I'm glad to be back. She did. We, we appreciated her, uh, her influence on the show, and uh, I'll be honest with you, uh, she, she was a close contender. Close contender for your She spot. definitely made the chair look better <laughs> <laughs> than I have. So, so yes. Good well, to be back. Well, hey— uh, Jay and Beth, uh, some of you will be familiar with them who have connection here at Waukee MC. Uh, they led uh, our sessions, our, our keynote sessions for our recent marriage retreat. Uh, had just a phenomenal response to that. A lot of really positive feedback and on just how helpful it was. So we want to have them back here in the studio. So Jay, Beth, welcome guys. Good to have you here. Thanks. Such Thank an you. honor to be here. Great to be here. So guys, tell us a little bit about for those of you for those of our listeners that don't know, tell us a little bit about yourselves, what you do, your background, what you come from. Uh, you can tell us about your family or kids too, because we want to hear about all that good stuff. All right. Well, we have two kids, Michael and Hannah, both in college. Um, so they'll be on their way home soon. Looking forward to spending some time together this summer with them. And we wear a couple different hats. I'm a pastor at Maple City Chapel, the lead pastor there. I'm also a licensed clinical psychologist by training, and so have a counseling practice in Goshen. And that was really what I did most of my life until 10 years ago when kind of made a mid-career change and became a pastor. And we also have a life coaching practice called Coaching for Purposeful Living. And Beth can tell you more about that because she does a lot of I am coaching. predominantly life coaching right now, but I am also um, – at the church, helping Jay with counseling, premarital counseling, some of our favorite things to do, and also some lay pastoral counseling. What we appreciate, and this is our heartbeat here at Waukee uh, MC as well, is um, we, we've always said that there's a, there's a real need for uh, better soul care, better better counseling care within the local congregation. I, I quoted to you guys last time when we were together. You know, I, I think of the quote that Larry Crabb gave, who's kind of one of the the uh, the the godfathers of Christian counseling. And he said, you know, if the church was if the church local church was doing its job, I as a counselor would lose like ninety percent of my <laughs> my clients, right? And and then again, we we be, again we believe in the power of counseling. We believe we see it. We we offer those services and and underwrite those services here at at Waukee, as do so many congregations. Uh, but the local church has something uh, specific to say uh, to to the the care and wellness of the of the whole person. And I know sometimes it's like. We've historically divided and said, okay, there's there's the psychological you and the spiritual you, but uh, I think all of us in this room would say, nope, it's you're you're an integrated being, you're you're one person, and so that has so much to do with our conversation today. That what we want to dive into to say, um, there there's everything is spiritual, everything has a spiritual component, but you are also a person that's made up of different chemicals and uh, I, both balanced and imbalanced, uh, and uh, 
specifically in the context of a marital relationship. So um, for those of you that were part of our marriage retreat and got to hear this, we, we think there'll be, this will be a good refresher today to hear some things that you, we have talked about previously, but also to dive into some specific questions that weren't, weren't asked uh, last time. And we want to, we want to keep it fresh. And, and we have, we've brought forth some of the called the spiciest uh, <laughs> questions that we can Fine. come up with. Can I say that, Chris? I don't know. Is yeah, that you spicy? can. No, you, you did. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and you can. Okay, good. That's <laughs> good. So guys, I want to start off with um, just the fact uh, we recognize that, you know, it's, it, it's always uh, highlighted uh, in uh, sitcoms so well. The husband-wife relationship where it's very, very clear that there's two different personalities, uh, two different makeups of these individuals, and uh, they're trying to get along in a house, meanwhile raising a family or you know navigating careers and all of that. And inevitably in doing that, uh, there's conflict in their relationship. And you know, in the sitcom, hilarity ensues, right? Because it it's, makes for a great sitcom. It, right, it does it? make for like a great sitcom. Marriage and yes. conflict and differences. Absolutely. But in real life, sometimes those differences can just feel monumental. They can feel mm-hmm. like, did I make the wrong choice with even who I married? Or uh, is there any way out of this? Uh, and 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 just the the anxiety that can raise all around that. So, if you would for us, just get. Let's start with an overview of. What are personality types? Uh, how, how do we talk about those sort of things? And then how do we recognize our own personality type and how our personality type might be coming into play in a marital relationship when it comes to working things out together? Right. Great question. Well, there's, there's a lot of different ways. There are a lot of typing systems out there. Um, we have tended to use one of the simpler ones um, that comes from Gary Smalley, actually, DNA of Relationships. And it just involves four animals. But, you, I mean, the Enneagram is really popular right now. Um, the idea is that we're just we're unique. God is amazing. He puts us together in such a unique way. And so we have these differences. Um, with personality types, it's not that one is right, one is wrong, one is better, one is worse. Each personality type has a strength and a weakness that goes with it. And so learning to understand what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are, and um, how do we grow through those, and how do those, how do those clash? So with this animal type, uh, we have lions, for example, who are just natural leaders, are goal-directed, um, they're, they're more aggressive, and then you have an otter who really is about having fun. And so you have someone who's goal-directed, someone who's fun-directed, and you put them together and you can have conflict. Um, you have uh, uh, a golden, or, yeah, golden retriever who is more, let's get along with each other. Well, lions don't care as much about getting along as getting a job done, right? So you have these differences and they can, they can collide. Um, the otters are more the let's do it right. They're very detail-oriented, and that way they can get along well with, with lions. Um, but otters care so, – I mean, uh, the beavers care so much about getting things right that often it takes them a long time to get things done, and lions want to go, 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 go. So just some yeah. large examples of how differences can rub against each other, and we see it all the time in marriage. So, okay, so here here it is because so many times – like. I know in our premarital counseling that we do here, and as I'm sure with yours, you try to br- you try to bring an awareness to that reality at the outset. Uh, sometimes, actually, most of the time, uh, a couple has entered into marriage without that awareness, maybe without those frameworks or those descriptions, and they're feeling they're feeling the 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 tension, and they don't have language for it, and they're thinking to themselves, "What have I done? <laughs> you know, what what and what what is going on here?" I thought. I mean, we tend to 
in popular culture romanticize, so to speak, that marital relationship. Um, and yet it's, it's one of the most difficult relationships to, uh, to have, to have flourish when it's good. It's really good. And when it's bad, it's really bad and can feel really, really crushing. Um, if you guys were to, uh, to, to kind of describe knowing that knowing that inevitably in a marital relationship there there's going to be this type of person and this type of person because correct me if I'm wrong we, you kind of described it, I think as we tend to seek our in a mate we tend to kind of seek our is it an opposite or is it like how, what kind of language would you give when when looking for your spouse like what most people do even if they don't know they're doing it quite honestly I would be feel pretty confident in saying that most of us are drawn to someone who is different because through our romantic eyes you see something as different as incredibly fresh and new and attractive. However, one of our most favorite catchphrases is that differences drive conflict. So on the other side of marriage, that very difference that used to be fun and spontaneous is now irresponsible and not. Yeah, we joke about how the positive trait, you know, I was I was a calm person. You know, I was seen positive, steady. steady. Then once we got married, I was kind of boring, you know, I was dull. So like the positive traits can become like this negative one all of a sudden once you get married and see the other side of it. So our argument would be that differences do drive conflicts, but we don't think it's the difference that creates the difficult, uh, the difference isn't what makes a relationship right or not for the two to come together. The, 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 issue is whether they are willing to do conflict in a selfless, honest, vulnerable way. We were always going to have differences, no matter even someone who might be um, more similar to your temperament. Um, they're still a unique individual. So their differences are going to rub. We tell couples, you're just going to trade in one set of differences for another if you find another person. I mean, you're always going to have differences. Mm-hmm. But it's how you work through that conflict that we think is the critical component. Chris, I want to know because I'm just curious here. I don't know if you do. Yes, I do. So, <laughs> I don't know where you're going, but I'm so, not comfortable. Uh, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, no one, no one's exempt in this. Once you enter this space, uh, no one, no one's exempt. So, as you're hearing them talk about this, I think like with you and Shauna. Yeah. So, like, how how do you feel like this in your guys' personalities? Because I know, I know, I know you guys are pretty pretty well now. I continue to peel back the layers uh, of that onion, but. Uh, like, how would you guys say that you've ex- like you've experienced that in your those differences within your relationship? Well, first of all, uh, Jay and Beth did our marriage retreat, and uh, you gave us a little uh, assessment that we could take back to the room, and right. there weren't uh, many copies left by the time I left, so I snapped a picture of one laying in bed that night. I'm kind of looking through the list of things, and I say to Shauna, "Oh, I'm clearly," and I and I mentioned this one, and her response was, "Hmm." And I thought, wait, what do you, what do you mean? Hmm. And what ensued was an episode of Everybody Loves Raymond. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's about what That's happened. Beautiful. And uh, but but no differences. We were we found ourselves to be very different. Uh, we here we were both pastors' kids, uh, and and going into the ministry, both of our dads were actually on staff here at one point, though we didn't even know each other till we were in college. Uh, and then through all our premarital. Uh, counseling and sessions, we, we really felt like we got this thing figured out. 
And then we got married, and it's like, what in the world happened? Because we found out that my mom was more financially astute. She did the budget. Her dad did the budget, and she just assumed I was, and I assumed she was. We came from a very athletic family. We were always on the go, always in sports, always heading somewhere. So we were fast food people, and she would say, like, why would we ever go to a restaurant? I mean, we just found ourselves very different. And so we say we would never do the first five years over again. But we sure learned a lot about each other in those first five years. What, from your guys, from your perspective, what uh, what kept? Because because I'm going to share here in a second what my first year of marriage was like. And uh, by the way, Jackie does not remember it the same way as I do. It just tells you something. <laughs> well said. Yeah, just uh, tells you something for accountability. Will Jackie be listening to this podcast? Hundred <laughs> percent, she will. Hundred percent. Um, those first few years, like, how did you guys navigate it though? Like, how did you how did you quote unquote get through it? realizing that there were some unexpected differences, you know, yeah, the things that you did not see ahead of time. Yeah, honestly, it started with arguments. And then we had to learn how to argue, how to have healthy arguments, how to resolve things. You know, you, you talked about a, a sitcom or something like that a, a little bit ago in the episode. And the interesting thing about a sitcom is in 21 minutes, they have the conflict and they resolve it and it's all buttoned up. But that's not life. It's <laughs> no. <laughs> not marriage. So turns out we had to get to the point where we valued each other's differences and saw them as strengths and didn't see them as weaknesses. And so when she started to see my weaknesses, um, she understood them better and she didn't condemn me for my weaknesses. She found ways that she could step in, but she also saw my strengths and she honored the strengths. And she says, well, you know, you are good at this and this is it and vice versa. You know, uh, I found her strengths and didn't just, yep. just didn't just hone in on the things that she wasn't good at. Um, you know, we, we kind of broke down the roles side of things. It seems like everybody's like, well, I'll do the outdoor stuff. You do the indoor stuff. You do the shopping. I'll do this. We just said, hey, let's do these things together. Let's enjoy. We're married. Let's enjoy uh, doing things together. And I think I, that's kind of how we started to approach things. That's so good. Jim Beth, I we have a a friend, uh, pastor at another local church here that that works for Ministry Deeper Walk Ministries, and and he talks about the value of knowing of knowing people that will be tender with your weakness, mm-hmm. and uh, specifically in a marital relationship. Mm-hmm. With what Chris has shared there, in part of the conflict resolution part, like, like I know, even though you're married to the person, sometimes it can be like, hey, if I disclose this, this might be used against me. This this weakness that I that I reveal, or if I give one inch on acknowledging that, okay, maybe I'm not um, I'm not like like hey, I I advertised I would be this way or I would do these sort of things, but I'm not really quite living into that. But if I admit that, then like he or she is just gonna gonna go crazy on me. What what do you say? Like what do you say to the person who is just afraid to even enter in? To that conflict, who says, "Listen, I, there's just too much at stake. I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to get railroaded here, or run over." Um, what's the encouragement, maybe, to take the first step into that into that conflict? Because we have to have it. I, I think we can all agree we have to have it. We have to have the conversation. Um, where do we find the courage? Where do we find the first step uh, to begin the conversation? I think first and foremost is an internal awareness of the truth of vulnerability and an honesty before God. Whether your spouse is responsive to that or not, it is still, as a, as a walking believer with Jesus Christ, is going to behoove um, you to experience the life that he has called us to. Um, 
even like the worst scenarios, were they not to come back in a very loving Christ-like way? As you move into the the Christ-like behaviors of of selflessness, um, one of our favorite um, responses is giving one another the benefit of the doubt, um, learning to see the best in someone. Those personal attributes are going to help you in your own walk with Christ and leaning into him. But ultimately, it is the core of a really healthy relationship where the two of you are willing to lean in with courage and a selfless spirit that you will then eventually taste the sweet, sweet fruits of conflict done well. Conflict, doing conflict well is not just getting to the other side and going, shoo, we made it. If conflict is done really well, this is our experience. If conflict is done well, it is like a broken bone that's been put back together in, in really um, precise manner. It's stronger, yeah. and that's what we experience. Yeah. So understanding that, and I think it's courage, courage building. Yeah, a lot of I think a lot of us would just rather ignore conflict or not have to go there. And some of this links to the previous conversation of personality type. Beth is more of a lion. I was more of a golden retriever personality-wise. Um, golden retrievers do not like conflict, and so you just bury it. And you just pretend it's not there. Um, but things like that that you bury have a high rate of resurrection. And so they'll <laughs> keep coming back up and keep coming back up at some point in time. Lions uh, are much quicker to engage with conflict. and they But they may have to watch out that they don't go on the attack and come across you know too harshly. So um, for all of us to recognize that to, to really have a healthy marriage where we talk about marriage as being the critical part is being attached, connected. Mm-hmm. And unresolved conflict disconnects us. We feel misunderstood. Uh, we, we just feel unknown. And so hidden, hidden conflict is a way of just keeping space between us that we don't want. So when you can learn to do well, when you, when you don't do conflict well, it just drives you further apart. That's the hard part. And so then you're like, well, let's, let's just not do it. Let's just ignore it. But, man, if you can learn to do it well, it really you walk away from a conflict feeling closer than you did before it started. I know it's so hard. I, and I in my in my own life, the first year, I said I was going to say this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out there the first year of, of my marriage. So Jackie and I have been married going on 16 years this this June, and the first year of our marriage, and I look back now and I'm like, well, no wonder we were stressed out because I look at all I look at all the circumstances that were around us, like the apartment that we had rented uh, burned, and so we had no place to live like a few wow. weeks before we're married and. And like, that was a great phone call to get. And, uh, we, like we moved like three times within the first little while and had, had some unseen like job loss and all, all, like all this stuff that was happening. And then can you imagine that that like played itself out in our home? Right. right? right. And, you know, I remember thinking our, our first year, I just remember having this thing. It was, and it was not in a, it was a spirit of just like, this is the reality. I remember, I remember the morning Jack and I are laying there in bed and I just simply said to her, if something doesn't change, we won't make it. And that was, I think, for, for us. Now, Jackie would say, I didn't think things were that bad, right? And I like, but I, I know I was experiencing it at a pretty at a pretty deep level. I think there's probably some other, some other interpersonal things like, you know, just general lack of direction in my own life that was like probably aiding that. But I, I remember, you know, we did not have a good um, – we did not have – we didn't have a good – platform from which to argue well. And, and I should say, and I, I say this with all respect and I'm so grateful. Uh, we were after moving several times and being burned out of our apartment and everything else, we were living in the downstairs of my in-laws house, right? We're, we're newly, we're newly married. Okay. How do you have 
an argument, a newlywed argument, when mom, when mom and dad are upstairs, and number one, and, and and probably they're not they're not super thrilled that we're yelling at each other. They're not they're not super thrilled that there's yelling going on in their home in general, but that we're yelling at each other, or whatever. And I just remember like, and I I thought about this like still like how hard we had we had to work to argue well mm-hmm. to. To see it, because still to this day, like I really struggle with seeing with seeing conflict as an opportunity. Like I really, like I, I like, it, like everything within me just goes. This is like you said. This is something to get through to get to onto the other side. I think that's our default, you know, so to speak. And even broader in our culture here, our local culture here. I mean, I have just seen it so many times. Like people would rather take a, a hot iron through the eye than <laughs> you know than to have yeah, than to have conflict, conflict right? Um, and so, or just an iron period. I don't know. It doesn't have to be hot. Uh, um, so I just, I wonder about uh, what are, what are the frameworks? Like in your guys' like practically speaking, when you're trying to work through a conflict together, um, and we saw this at the, at the marriage retreat, you guys, and I'd love for you guys just to kind of give us an overview or a model of this. Okay. We have a conflict. There's an issue that we need to talk through. Um, I I am unsure. I am unsure how to navigate this well and to make it into an opportunity for growth as opposed mm-hmm. to an opportunity just to get through something or, or whatever. What, what do we do? What, help outline some frameworks, uh, some helpful tools for us to do that successfully. Yeah, I think part of it, it gets to the question of what is the point of conflict or what should our goal be with it? And often for us it might be avoid pain you know, um, get my point across and make sure that, you know, she hears my side. When we think of conflict, um, we really want it ultimately to be something that allows us to know each other on a deeper level and connect us more deeply. And so we did a listening exercise, but but really the keys to that are listening well. So reflectively saying back what you heard, making sure you're you're really trying to hear well, validating that person's perspective. So saying you have a point of view that that deserves respect. I might not see it the same way, but I want to try to validate. And then the third is empathize. I want to try to put myself in your shoes and understand why it feels that way to you. And if I can work on those three things, it may not all look the same in terms of exactly how we model it, but if I can work really hard to say, okay, in this situation, my heart has got to be in a certain place for me to really care about best perspective. And so it really is a heart exercise. It's I want my heart to connect with your heart, and I've got to be willing to understand your perspective. And so working really hard and listening empathizing, validating, um, we find to be the kind of the keys to that. And yeah, just to piggyback on that, um, again, the, the win is not getting your point heard and agreed on. The, and this is probably something subconsciously we all would go, yes, of course, but everyone thinks that really it's about them going, yes, you're brilliant, let's do it that way or whatever. But the real win is when we, we both understand each other. What comes from that then is malleable spirits and hearts that are willing to compromise and come to a win-win as opposed to one wins and one loses. And that's where we always find ourselves landing when I can appreciate what Jay has just said. And, and, and most always when I'm reflectively listening, do I get ahas and go, huh, through my defensiveness, I don't think I would have ever heard that. 
I see what you're saying. I still would never go there, you know, were it mine to call. But I see where with your your temperament and your preferences, that would make complete sense. And then, um, and when he does that for me, my heart gets so soft. And and then you we lean in, and the the conclusion we come to sometimes it's just oh wait, you, you, this is so much more about what your heart longs for. Let's just go your way this time, and vice versa. But the compromise that happens after feeling known and understood is so beautiful that you end up with a total win in the end um, through a really helpful compromise. Part of why it leads to deeper knowing is that conflict often is someone has done something to trigger hurt. And so when I really look inside and say, okay, what, what happened there? And then talk about it. I'm probably revealing new things about my past, my pain, my wounds, my vulnerabilities. And intimacy is all about vulnerability. And so when I'm honest about some of those things, or Beth is with me and we really listen in that way, it is, it is a connecting experience because we're getting to know each other on a far deeper level as we go to those places and try to understand that, that pain and that insecurity. When you guys were sharing at the marriage retreat, one thing I took away, uh, you call it reflective or redemptive listening. I was thinking even more complete listening on my part. Uh, I don't know if this ever happens with you. Uh, when you I found myself uh, putting Shauna in a box. So I start to listen. I go, okay, I know where you're going. I know what you're doing. Uh, it's kind of like a doctor. When they walk in the room, they go, what's your symptoms? I got a sore throat. I got this. You, you'd see it with counseling. Okay, so I kind of know where you're going. I kind of know where I'm going to go now. And I found myself not completely listening to her. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really helpful experience that you guys walked us through at the marriage retreat because I came away saying to myself, I got to put down my distractions, put down my cell phone, close my computer, shut off the TV, and try to listen completely to something. And I think that, I don't, is that a male thing? <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> is, it a, is, it, is it a personality thing? Because uh, to our listener, I think there's probably a number of people who would benefit from being able to become better listeners, but may not know. We, we would what say listening is actually the key to a healthy marriage. Like listening, it's actually one of the hardest things to do. It's one of the most selfless things to do um, to, to let go of the agenda of being heard of getting your point across and say, I'm just going to really try to understand your perspective. It is hard. It is really hard to do. And yeah, most often we're like, oh yeah, I know what this is going to go. Or, or I'm in my head, I fall into defensiveness really quickly. So in my head, I'm like, well, but you don't know, you know, you did the same thing three times last week and you know, whatever. I just have an explanation in my head and I'm not really listening. I'm just caring about defending myself in that moment. So um, yeah, we, we are notoriously awful listeners <laughs> in our fallen nature, and it really is a redemptive act. It's a sacred act to truly give someone that full of attention and, and to listen well. So if a, if a, if a couple is like, okay, one member, one member of a husband-wife team comes and says, hey, listen, I got, I got a real issue I need, to, I need to hash out with you, and the other person is like, I can't hear this right now, um, I – this is this is too fresh. This is too raw. Um, my emotions are in such a place where it's like I don't think I could even be remotely reasonable or logical about this. Um, do do they just should they just press in? Should they just uh, hunker down and and have that conversation, or does something else need to happen first? We are of this. It's it's that's a brilliant question because it's very typical, and you always have you in most couples will have um, someone who is more of um, a high feeler, 
that's me, that's what I like to call it, <laughs> intense emotionally, and you typically have the other person is, is more reserved but hates conflict and would most likely have this tendency to let's resolve, let's resolve, and want to pull push in and say let's get it over with. Um, but it isn't always as constructive in the, mo- the, in the moment to be you know leaning through those, especially for the person who is a high feeler. So what we have agreed to do, the two of us um, in those scenarios, and what we often encourage others to do, is allow the person who is the, the high feeler to step away, to regain some composure, to allow yourself to move from your what we call your animal brain, to your frontal lobe, your human brain, start thinking more creatively. However, you might get tempted to then say, I'm cool, you calm down and say, and bolt, which is so not fair. Um, So that person who ever offers or requests the may I step away from this also always has to offer the return um, promise of, okay, how about, in two hours or tomorrow night, we've got nothing. Can we sit down and walk through this? Um, so, yeah, emotions can be incredibly inflammatory and just ignite an already delicate scenario. And so making sure that you're in a really good emotional um, place, healthy place, to be able to have that constructive conversation. Sometimes uh, I, I feel like, and, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this, uh, it's like, you know, for for a, for a family that's got a lot of kids, got a lot of activity going around or whatever, it feels like everything has to be dealt with in in the moment, and there, you can feel like there's these pressure constraints of like, well, and like for Jackie and I, it's like, hey, the kids are only going to be outside for five more, for five <laughs> more minutes before we have to, uh, before we have to like resolve this or move on or whatever, and so like, oh, we got to we got to deal with it now, but the the. Uh, well, and let's just say I'm probably less likely to say things that I don't mean if I take because I'm exactly like with me and the feeler. It's like the the defensiveness thing. Um, and, and this is what I would say, like, and again, because now I've already drugged Jackie into this podcast once, I'll I'll do it again. Like the one thing I'm I I have noticed about my wife over the years is that she is she has very like very strong opposition very strong points very intense but then goes from like a 10 to a 5 very quickly like like we'll we'll kind of back down from that and say hey you know like she comes to understand me quicker than i come to understand her sometimes like in a in a real way but what i've what i've realized is that us sometimes taking that just even if just a few minutes and not like just diving in right away we're able to both not come in at a 10, you know, in our, in our intensity. And if that's the case and we're able to meet each other in a, in a better place, your, your outcomes can be better too, like ultimately. And, you know, I would just love to believe that, especially for those of us that are Jesus followers who, you know, we say that the spirit of God lives within us and abides with us and is guiding us. Um, Sometimes we just might give the Holy Spirit a little a little more to work with if we would just hit the pause button for a hot second and and say, okay, I'm going to calm down. We're going to reconvene at such and such a time. Um, because I also know in, in my marriage, like there's been times where Jackie will be just like, are we going to talk about this? And I'm like, I'm not ready. And then she'll be like, later, be like, are we going to talk about this? And I'm like, and then eventually she's like, so when is going to be a good time? Because uh, this is going to get talked about. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, there's just, I think all of us can agree, there is there is nothing better than 
working through hard things together and feeling like no, no one got damaged, you know, like no one had to take the, the second place trophy in this, mm-hmm. in this conversation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and ultimately that we're, like you said, we trust each other more on the other side of that. I, mm-hmm. cause I think so many times like the trust component in our relationships is that we don't navigate conflict together. So we've never actually learned that, Oh, this other person will handle my weakness. Well, mm-hmm. they, they will stick with me when I behave less than greater and less than, less than my best at any, in any given time. And you mentioned trust yeah. there and that like one of the questions we encourage couples to ask is what do I do that makes you feel unsafe? Um, because in conflict, or what is it I do that, that hurts you the most? Um, if we really care about each other, whatever those things are, we want to say we don't go there when we're in conflict. Like we have to try to stay away from those wounds, That's good. those tender spaces, because, um, it, yeah, sometimes in unhealthy couples that becomes ammunition or it becomes a place you go after. Um, and so trying to make that agreement, we're going to really work hard not to go for those vulnerable places and, and be instruments of healing not causing further harm. And again, the core of what we believe conflict is, you understand this, I think you're, you're, we'd be less timid in, in leaning in, but at the heart of every conflict, we really believe is not whether you push the tube of toothpaste from the top or the bottom. It really is about a wound that you have brought with you. Um, and if you have this awareness that when we do differences and we lean in and we grow to understand where this pain is coming from, we actually have the potential to heal that. Um, we've, we had a fight about a, a shower curtain that led to me understanding a wound I had from my dad that Jay now ministers to me on a regular basis, speaks truth into that lie. Right in the beginning, I triggered it. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. as we understand it, now, ah, we can work with this and, and I can become a healing presence. There. And it's healing yeah. uh, over a shower curtain. <laughs> and so if we if we go in, that's how I look at conflict now. Ooh, I bet on the other side of this, there's a lie that I'm not aware of that my husband, who I completely trust, is going to speak love and truth over through the, the guiding of the Holy Spirit because that's where we're centered. And then I'm going to get further down the road in my, in my growth and my transformation as a believer. I love, I love all of those things. And it, and again, um, we, we as followers of Jesus, I I would love it if the world saw us and how we navigate conflict and say, there, there is a city on a hill. There's a beacon of hope in Christian community where they know how to work through hard conversations. They love each other in spite of difference. They, they don't pull out the the AK forty seven and start firing away in in conflict. Instead, they look to, to to heal, which is all, which is all very very biblical, Jesus centered uh, centered way of of doing things. And one of the greatest measures of love is how well do you love an enemy? I mean, I think ultimately, yeah. and sometimes we're enemies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> how well? How do I love my spouse when she yeah. feels like an enemy? Yeah. And 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 the and the other thing is, uh, the enemy wants our marriages to fail. Yeah. Like just just to be clear, the moment even before you say I do, but the moment you say I do and you make vows that say like, hey, like God is at the center of our relationship and we will depend upon him to hold us together. And I just sometimes it's just like the enemy is like, oh, yeah, well, let's <laughs> let let's see. Um, let's see. You th- you thought you had a great relationship. Let's really you know, let's really, really put it to the test. And and I, I man, I hear you guys loud and clear. And, and friends, I hope those of you listening, I hope you hear this as well. 
Sometimes your conflict, sometimes your arguments are not about the thing you think you're arguing about. Yes. And, and that's where the, and that's sometimes where additional community, uh, additional yeah, insight, maybe your small, you know, trusted small group friends, pastor, counselors, um, they can be, uh, they can be, as we like to say, someone who doesn't have a dog in the hunt. Uh, mm-hmm. They can come up alongside of you and, and be reasonably reasonably objective. I, I will say I have seen, and this is where it can get dicey, uh, where one member one member goes to you know one member of the of the party uh, of the marital party goes to, to one friend and talks mm-hmm. and, and talks to their their friend about oh I can't believe you know he's doing he's doing this such such can't believe whatever and then the other is doing the other and. And all that is, because there, there's a difference there. All that is is just the quote unquote venting. Like I need, I need to vent. But those are those are activities that really are not seeking reconciliation. Like that, that's the thing. And we all need to have a trusted friend, have someone mm-hmm. you can you can share with. But there is no substitute. And I, what I hear you guys saying, there's no substitute for sitting across the table from somebody, sitting next to somebody, uh, you know, husband, wife. And having the conversation, you talking about it to other to other people is not yeah, that, is not helpful. Ultimately, we got to a point in the thirty of our marriage where um, we couldn't do it by ourselves. Like we had tried and tried and tried, and just kept hitting this roadblock. I mean, you always want to sit down with each other and work through it, but there'll be times too where you're like, "We need help," and we did. We, we went and saw a counselor, and um, a lot of couples, probably most, will have those times in marriage where they just feel so stuck that they can't quite get out of themselves, and then that's where the community can come in. Your small group, your friends, a counselor who you trust um, to help you get through it. We talked about this quite a bit during the home series. I, I wish we could break away from the stigma that we go to see a counselor only when we're broke. Everybody needs a counselor. Uh, in reality, we just need somebody to offer advice, weigh in, help us see the blind spots in our life. You know, what I hear in this conflict conversation is stop seeking to win, stop seeking to run, seek to understand. Yep. And that's what I that's it. think we would all be the better for if we yep. do that. Yep. Yep. That's uh, and that's that's ultimately the goal. We we just believe we so strongly believe that working through conflict in a in a Christ centered way, in a way that is patient and kind with each other, that handles handles our differences as as gifts. Uh, man, it would because it would be a boring world if we were all wired the same way, right? Like you know, that's the one <laughs> phrase that kind of helped turn us in year three is. I'm so glad God made you the way he did. I really need you in my life. Oh, like that yeah. sense to really learn to value, really say, I do. I need those differences to make me a, a, a healthier person. Because if Beth was just like me, we would be a wreck. <laughs> Our family would be a wreck. And so we need versa. those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good. Well, guys, we also have, uh, so in light of all of this, we always, I, I labeled this section the hypothetical questions, but these are, these are actual questions that, that they're kind of a summary. They're summary questions that we have gotten in our in our pastoral counseling work uh, that we have gotten from couples. And um, so I want to throw them out to you and then this is the juicy part Chris. This is where this is where Fun. the uh, let's go. It's where the four-star content really right. really starts. For sailing. those of you who've hung on long <laughs> That's enough. That's right. You're like, "Ooh, we've arrived. <laughs> when's when's the good part? You fast-forwarded to minute 38." Okay. So, um one of these one of these questions and this is for uh, so this is either early married or, or even uh, really the, the bigger thing of like engaged couples or couples considering engagement. And, you know, they've, they're like, man, this seems like this is the one, I think this is the relationship that, you know, we're, we're moving toward marriage, but my goodness, we are just, we're, man, we are, we're fighting. We're in conflict all the time. We're arguing all the time. 
and and it just seems like hey if we're if we're going to get married like i don't think this is going to get which let's just be clear if you do get married that will not get better like so right. marriage let's just be very very clear we have this in our in our christian circles it we there is some sort of thing that's out there in the ether about like if you get married things will just i don't know magically it's like unicorn dust gets we'll be whole yeah be whole get- and right and and things will get better I, that has been the opposite of my uh, experience in general um but hey, okay, we're considering marriage. We're arguing. We're in conflict a lot. Is this a red flag? Is this a red flag? Should how do I know when this these uh, these differences these uh, conflicts are a sign that our relationship is not well, or maybe we're not rightly matched with each other, and we should just cut our losses, go our separate ways, and not consider marriage? How would you walk with a with a couple that's in that situation? both started to talk at the same time. So. <laughs> um, there's probably several different layers to this, but just because a couple argues a lot doesn't necessarily mean they're not a good fit for each other. Um, sometimes we just need to learn how to argue better. Um, I would say that the more the arguments are about some deeply held differences around values. You know, I want three kids, I want no kids. And we constantly argue, like, that's a pretty big deal. And you need to figure that out, you know, before you get married. Um, if it's, yeah, we, we just, we haven't quite figured yet out how to, to work through this. The more you, you argue and at the end of those you just continue to feel hurt, then I would say, man, get, do some work before you get married yet. There's some things going on. Maybe there's some baggage, some wounds that you need to work through before you, before you push further. And I, I just know that so many times, like, people – put the cart before the horse. They've, they've got the, the wedding venue reserved and they've got all the, the things, whatever. And they're like, Oh, well, I guess we should do, I mean, Chris, this is us all the time. Oh, we should probably do premarital counseling. <laughs> like it's, it's yeah. like, it's like, a, we won't marry someone in our church unless they've gone through it. And there's actual hard research that says the divorce rate is much lower for people who have good premarital counseling. Yep. So, yep. So it's huge like, huge difference. So it's like, man, uh, we would just say, uh, uh, have the premarital counseling conversation way before, you put up the money for the rent, the rental, uh, the the venue, and all and all of that. I'll let you guys continue on in that question in just a second. But one of the things I'm finding too in premarital is family of origin issues, uh, because and that's the beauty of premarital uh, counseling is you're starting to figure out how do your parents fight? How do, and a lot of times they're just they're just mirroring what they saw modeled, and so they haven't even learned how to fight. The the concern I also have is the couple who says, "Oh, we fight a lot," and I found out like you know that was twice last month. That's it's a lot to you, but it's not a lot. And then they feel like, "Well, we should never fight if we're going to get married." So then they're going to kick the can down the road forever and wait till they never have another argument to decide now is a good time to get married because we aren't going to. Yeah, we definitely in our premarital do a lot of conflict is normal, conflict is normal, conflict. You're going right. to fight. You're going to fight. I mean, it's that's normal. We just have to figure out how to do it well. Right. So good. Yeah. And just reiterating, I think what Jay said about um, the distinction between differences and core values, because you have differences. That you're going to have differences with every human being on the place on the face of the planet, um, but if you have core value distinctions, um, then that is something to walk through with real deliberateness. Even though there's chemistry, even though you know whatever, um, core values are things that are most likely never going to change. Um, but understanding that the differences can bring transformation in both of you in really fun ways, and if conflict is done well, it can be a, a win. And and something this is uh, we'll we'll call this the 
the PG thirteen rated uh, part of the second part of the question. Jay really perked up on that one. He was like, "Oh, now Let's we're getting go. we're getting spicier." PG thirteen. We we know, and and I want you to hear me loud and clear, folks. This is not a statement of judgment. This is not a statement of 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 anything other than us just acknowledging the realities in which we care for people. For couples that have entered into a sexual relationship prior to marriage, I think this can be a particular challenge because. They have an intimate physical connection with each other there that tends to downplay or distract them, I think, in some ways from the necessary uh, conversations that they have to have and moving through and moving through conflict. Because the physicality part, tell me if I'm wrong here, it feels like it can mask some things. And and I don't say that in judgment. I just say that as a, as an awareness. We we make no assumptions when when couples are coming to us for premarital counseling. I make no assumptions and no judgments about what their what their past has been or what they what they come with. It, it's just a reality to say, um, if you are in an intimate relation, if you've invested that <laughs> yourself that in that way in the relationship already, um, that can t- that can too. It can it can kind of be a little. It can cloud the water a little bit in terms of the health of your relationship in terms of, of conflict or avoidance or engaging it. Does that, does that yeah. track with you guys at all? We, we use a survey called the Symbus and um, one of the questions on it is, are you having premarital sex? And it's always interesting when we get those back and one person has said yes. yes and one says, it was, no. no. It's like, who's oh, having, we're, we're, who's having sex with who? I get right. the same thing. <laughs> abstaining. Yes. No. <laughs> Do you know what abstaining <laughs> means? Yeah. But yes, I mean, we talk a lot with couples about, you know, that God design physical intimacy to be glue. Mm. It bonds us together. And so once you've created that bond and now I have to make some decisions about whether, you know, other parts of a relationship are healthy and will will give us a good chance to make this work, it it just complicates it. And yeah. you have that that connection that can be so strong emotionally that it makes it hard to be objective in evaluating some things. Yeah. So that's just a good awareness to as a good awareness to have. Um, and it's not to say that this disqualifies you from, from moving into a marital relationship or anything like that, but, uh, just to be, uh, be aware. So that was my PG 13, Chris. Am I still, I'm still okay. Chris is, Chris is like my rating system. You I'm are just, still on. Staff, okay. Yes. Fa- fantastic. Okay. The FCC has not called. <laughs> that's one, that's good. That's good. Uh, question number two, uh, this is, um, more around the like gender roles and understanding of gender roles, but but in terms of we've had we've had this before where it's uh, a, a wife saying, "Hey, you know, my husband tells me, you know, that the God has made him the head of the household, and his decision is the decision that matters in this relationship, and like you know, he's he's the one that needs to make the decisions." And I got to, and then it's like, but I'm not sure the decisions are great, and I'm not sure they're godly decisions but he's kind of pulling the god card on me what what am i supposed like what am i supposed to do am i supposed to just like put up with that am i just supposed to take it am i just supposed to uh am i just not praying enough like what 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 do i do because th- those are we've had those questions and those are those are real heart cries from people mm-hmm. um who who just are trying to be obedient to the lord but at a very practical level are like i I'm not so sure that what what I'm supposed to quote unquote follow as God's rule in our relationship is actually the healthy thing. Talk talk to me about that. Yeah, well, I can share definitely personally how we've worked through that and thought through that. Um, you know, Ephesians has kind of one of the main areas that talks about husband and wife relationship, and 
that section starts out by saying submit to one another. Um, and from my perspective, then goes on to define what submission looks like one to another, from a husband to a wife and wife to a husband. And so we really do see that that is our primary calling um, is to submit to each other, to serve each other. I was brought up with the teaching that headship meant kind of final say or boss. And if you read that scripture, nowhere in that scripture does it define it that way. It describes headship or leadership as being the one who's willing to love the most selflessly. And Paul is really just, he's, he's repeating what Jesus taught when Jesus taught his disciples about authority. At one point he said, you know, if you want to be head, if you want to be first, you need to learn to be last. And he even says the Gentiles, that's how they think. They <laughs> yeah. lord it over each other. Like they try to you know, push others down. And he said, that's just not how we do things in our kingdom. And so for us then to somehow think that's how husband wives should relate is kind of a superiority and I'm over you. And um, we just don't find it to be life-giving to our relationship to approach it that way. And so we work really hard to make shared decisions, um, to listen well to each other. Um, and I mean, there's going to be some areas where we we give and take where it, you know, I have a counseling practice for years. I was more heavily involved in that. Beth would share her opinion, but defer to me in making decisions there. She was a stay at home mom for many years and I would defer to her. That was kind of where she was, was doing what she was doing. And so, um, but ultimately we see each other as, as really doing this together, leading together. That's really good. Beth, if you, I'm, I'm wondering if you've ever sat down with a woman who's maybe been in that, been in that boat a little bit. Just at a, at a level of of encouragement to a, a woman who's kind of, and maybe it's even more of an issue of like I'm, I don't feel like my husband is coming to the table, uh, you know, in these conversations is is investing in um, in our relationship the way uh, that I think God has called him to, but he but he seems to be kind of heavy handed in other in other areas. How would you how would you encourage a woman? Because we don't because we first and foremost we don't jump to divorce uh, right away. That is like we're not looking for an escape hatch I- immediately. Um, there are if there's obviously if there's physical harm, violence. That's a different conversation. But in a situation where there just seems to be this conflict and kind of a, a power dynamic at play for for a wife who's struggling through that and trying to figure out what's just what's her what's the right faithful move. What, what do you say to her? Well, I look at this through the paradigm that most of us are walking wounded <laughs> and that most of our behaviors are, are reflective of that pain. And so when you have a husband who's making unhealthy um, choices and um, usually or, or you're feeling like your voice isn't necessarily being valued or heard, um, the encouragement I give, which might feel a little odd at first is to consider him through the eyes of someone who might be speaking out of a woundedness as opposed to someone who's speaking to you um, um, out of a definitive right or wrong biblical stance. And so if your approach is truly Christ-like, it's an honor and a respect toward that human being and possibly even seeing behind what he's saying and seeing his heart. I think especially the fact that you're already married. So when your approach is is loving and it, your words are one of honor and seeing who he is as a human being, you're not necessarily agreeing with what he's saying. And you don't even have to say, 
yeah, you're, that's a brilliant idea, and you're a wonderful husband. But if you speak to the heart of that human being, you might get a more malleable spirit. You might, when I think at the heart of every man, they desire to be respected. And when we extend respect for who they are generally, um, you get a more brilliant mind, I think, and a tender heart. Um, but ultimately, you do not need to succumb to really unhealthy um um, direction from a spouse, get at outside health help. If your s- husband is leading you in a way that feels incredibly instructive, constructive, destructive, mm-hmm. um, you know, get help, get counsel. But I do think that most often seeing behind the arrows that it might feel like um, might help you get a more um, malleable man and a constructive end result. That's really, really helpful. Um, so because we want to be equal opportunity offenders here, we're going to flip the tables. Uh, next question. My wife constantly is constantly criticizing my decisions or questioning my judgment. I know we are supposed to be a team, but how do I partner with her when I feel so disrespected or when I, when I, when I feel so, uh, what about, because you guys at the marriage retreat, you you mentioned this like like you were the like the heavy seen as the heavy criticizer or the heavy like, hey, why are we doing this or or whatever? How how do, how do you work through that that dynamic? Because it's again, it's a it is a sitcom stereotype right. of the the critical. It's like the critical woman and the dumb and the dumb guy, the dumb husband who's just kind of like, oh, I don't know, you know, whatever, um, which. Sometimes can feel, in real life can feel very real, uh, but but it's not always the case. How do we navigate that reality? Yeah, great question. Um, so the, we really want to define terms well with criticism because uh, John Gottman, a researcher, has kind of come up with four things that will kill any marriage, and it's criticism one of those four: criticism, contempt, um, defensiveness, and stonewalling. And so, true criticism is really an attack often involves you and never always, and it doesn't, uh, a conversation doesn't usually go well. And so if someone is really, I mean, if it's really criticism in the sense of that kind of negative language, and then we want to help that person, whether it's a husband or wife, learn how to communicate their hurt or their frustration differently. If it's simply just someone who's questioning or we would distinguish criticism from complaining, have a complaint to make. Complaints you can make without you always. It's, it's you know, this is how I'm feeling. And so we want to help that person express it well. Um, so, yeah, criticism is something that can just be damaging to, to any relationship, regardless of who does it, if it's true criticism in that sense. And sometimes just that awareness, helping people understand. We've talked to a variety of women in this situation where some of the things they were doing came across as disrespectful as criticism, and they didn't even know it. They didn't realize that that's how it felt to their husband. And so helping um, share that um, sometimes a husband like this also is, you know, if I think of the golden retriever personality type, just kind of swallow, 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 sometimes more assertiveness and saying, hey, this is what it feels like. And, and being more vocal about, about um, your own feelings in that situation can be helpful. So, guys, we do have to talk about our feelings. Mm-hmm. We, do have to put, we do have to put words to them. Uh, like, you know, and sometimes I know, like, my wife sometimes, and it's always like, I don't know, for me, it's always at the worst. It seems like a good time for her. It seems like a bad time for me. Like, how how do you feel about that? How are you feeling? How are you feeling right now? And I'm like, I I don't 
I don't know. I don't, you know, give me sometimes like, give me some, give me some time. You know, I, I, I don't know if I have, I have words for that. This is a really small nuance, but having a woman say, what do you think about that? Or what are your thoughts? Yeah. We have kind of these layers and facts, yep. um, thoughts, feelings, um, hurts. So connecting the thoughts can be a helpful thing. And the other thing that research shows is that if you want to get a guy talking, do an activity with him, go on a walk together, go canoeing. There's something about getting guys doing something as opposed to sit down in a coffee shop and look in each other's eyes and say, tell me how you're feeling right now. Like that just doesn't work as well for a guy, but get them out doing some kind of physical activity and they tend to open up. There we go. I, I got to say with, with other guys, some of my best conversations have been out on the disc golf course. Uh, <laughs> there's something, there's something to it. Uh, our, you guys will laugh at this at midnight. Yeah. So <laughs> our, our first, the first activity that I did with a small group of guys here, uh, I was, I was just a few months on the staff. It's the spring and they t- took me out for here in Wakarusa for like late night, uh, like nighttime disc golfing where again, those of you that are in disc golfing, you're like, this guy's a total, total new novice to this, whatever. But they, they shine like a UV light on these discs and they glow and you can see, like, I don't know the course at all whatsoever. Uh, Really great conversation, but me just basically throwing discs uh, into the into the darkness, into the darkness, and not knowing. The cops did show up, uh, which there's nothing better than hearing one of the guys that's with you being like, "Oh yeah, this is our new pastor. Uh, we're just out with, out with him." Hey, uh, they seem to be fine with it, I guess. So, um, Jay and Beth, thank you so much for sitting down with us. Uh, and, and friends, I should say, if if you're in the uh, if you're in the Goshen area, um, we really believe. Maple City is a place, uh, a place that, that shares our heartbeat as well. We would just really encourage you, uh, if you're looking for a for a faith community, we'd really encourage you to to check them out. If you're over closer to us, feel free I come 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 check, come check us out here at Walking <laughs> yep, MC. We talk about you guys a lot to people. Yes. So we and Same. we really hope we really hope that this uh, we really feel just a, a a connected spirit with you guys, and really really hope uh, that there's just going to be some future uh, future partnerships and, and working together. We uh, we all have uh, we believe in the same Jesus. We're trusting in the same Christ Amen. to do uh, restorative work in people's relationships, and uh, we all want to be on the same team for that. So. Uh, again, thank you guys so much for being Such here. Such an honor. Appreciate you. you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Well, hey, guys, thanks for uh, tuning in for this episode. We look forward to joining you again next time. And until then, we wish you grace and peace. At Home, the podcast is produced by Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting walkiemc.org. That's W-A-K-Y-M-C dot org. From there, you can click on the At Home tab for more information. Thanks for listening.